Safety, dependability, and power. Chevy Silverado isn't happy unless the work is hard and the day is long. No wonder Silverado is America's number one best-selling retail pickup truck. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. In the 30s, there are three teams that dominated the league. New York Giants, Green Bay Packers, and the Bears. And nobody could come close to us. It's the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Who knows, maybe we come out running like wing T or something. Right on cue, Justin Fields to the end zone. With your host, the one and only, Kevin Power. We're rolling and it's go time. Let's talk football. Episode 29 of the WGN Radio Football Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Kevin Powell. Lots of bear stuff to get through. A lot of candidates for the head coaching job, the general manager position to sort through. Talked with Matt Verderam from Fansided. He uh, covers the NFL very well. So we get into all of the Bears stuff when it comes to the hiring process. Throw out some names here and there and get his thoughts on that. We also get into the divisional round playoffs. I think we've got some really, really good games coming uh, this weekend. I, I will say this, and I get into it a little bit with Matt. Whoever they do hire, head coach or general manager, they better be all in on Justin Fields. And and if you've listened to this podcast before, you know I'm very big on Justin Fields. I think he has all the talent that you could want in a franchise quarterback. So I, I would absolutely include that in the questioning and the hiring process. Is like, what are your thoughts on Justin Fields, and how are you going to build an offense around him? Because Matt Nagy failed to do that. Didn't have a whole lot of time to to work with Justin Fields, but still, it, it, it was clear that was not working. So I hope that is very much a large part of the conversation when it does come to the hiring process over at Hallis Hall. But here's my conversation with Matt Verderam from Fansided. Matt, appreciate you jumping on. Uh, we'll get into the playoffs, some real juicy matchups in the divisional round, and we'll have uh, time to talk about that. But I want to start with the Bears' general manager and coaching search. Uh, one big name that's off the board is Joe Shane. He's the assistant general manager for the Bills, or was. Now he's the new general manager for the New York Giants, I, I, it seemed like that would have been a good hire for the Bears. It's, it's kind of difficult. Think, thankfully, we have people like you who have followed this closely to, to sort through all of these candidates. But right now, from, from your vantage, Matt, wh- where do you think the Bears should be looking? Let's start with general manager. But who are some names that are sticking out for you that you think should be front runners? Well, you know, I, I think they had a, a good a good group initially, you know, Ed Dodd being a guy who a lot of people think highly of out of Indianapolis. And unfortunately for the Bears, he pulled his name from consideration. Um, I like actually one guy who, who the Giants interviewed twice, ended up not going with, which is Ryan Poles out of Kansas City. That's been a front office that's been very good for a long time. I mean, that's the front office that, since Andy Reid's been there. I uh, had John Dorsey, who was, who was successful before he left, and then I went out to Cleveland and built a, at least a winning team there. Uh, and then Brett Beach, of course, now the current GM. But Poles is part of that front office. It also is create, you know, giving Chris Bauer his chance in Indianapolis. Obviously, he's done a nice job. So I, I think Poles would be a really good fit. Um, I, you know, he's a he's a younger guy. I think he's somebody that if it works out, he could be there for a long time. But there's still plenty of good options for the Bears. They're going to have to find somebody uh, who can go in there and, of course, you know, if you believe in Fields, you believe he's a quarterback, so I'm assuming anybody who goes there will feel that way, uh, then you've got to build around him. You don't have the first-round pick this year, but you've got other ammunition to use. Yeah, how strange do you think it is? I, I think it's weird that they, and who knows, maybe the Bears still might hire the general manager before the coach, but wouldn't you want your general manager involved with the coaching search? 
<laughs> it's strange to me. I know they have this team of five with George McCaskey and Bill Polians involved, but hiring yeah. a head coach before general manager seems strange to me. It is. I think the only time you can really do that is if the head coach has ultimate power anyway. But I don't know that there's anybody who the Bears are going to hire who you'd say that about. So um, I'm, I'm with you, Kevin. I, I think, look, if you're the Bears, you've got to get that GM search done first and then circle back. Now, the problem is, you know, a lot of teams want to get this, this coaching search done. You know, And there's a quarter of the, the, the league right now is looking for a new coach. They want to get these searches done and wrapped up and finished and somebody hired before they go to the senior bowl. Well, most teams are embarking on, on their trips to the Senior Bowl the last day of January. So most of these coaching hires, if not all of them, they're going to be wrapped up by then. And so if you're the Bears, you risk every day that goes by, you're falling a little bit further behind. You know, a lot of coaches this week that are still in the playoffs, guys like Dable and Frazier and the enemy, uh, McDaniel, they're all interviewing now. So if you're Chicago – you really, in my estimation, you'd like to get a GM in there the next handful of days. I mean, figure it out, make the decision, and then move quickly to hire whoever you want the head coach to be. Yeah, and when it comes to the head coaching, I mean, I, I've to me, if you're going to bring in a head coach and general manager, I think you absolutely bring up Justin Fields in the interview process. And anybody, and look, I... I've said this many times on this podcast. I'm not a hot take guy. I, I realize it's been a small sample size. But Justin Fields is everything you could possibly want in an NFL quarterback when we're talking about skill set and, I think, mentality. I, I, I feel really, really good about Justin Fields, Matt. I, I don't know how, where you're at with him, but I think it would be foolish to not vet your candidates, general manager, and head coach, and be like, how are you going to build a team around Justin Fields? Because that's the game, right, Matt? We all know this. you got to get a franchise quarterback. You've got to find a franchise quarterback. I think if you talk to a general manager or head coach that's not in on Justin Fields, uh, in some respect, I-, I don't think you bring him to Hallis Hall. Oh, you can't. You can't. I mean, you look, you just traded away this year first to get Fields last year. If, you, if you're bringing in a guy who's like, eh, I don't know if Fields is the, is the player for me. Then, not the right fit. I mean, you, you can't bring that guy. You've got to bring in somebody that says, yes. I think Fields is the quarterback of the future here in Chicago. Here's my plan on how I'm going to draft around him. What free agents are available this year? What free agents are available next year that we believe we're going to target? Here's what we think it's going to cost. Here's how much we think of these players in terms of are they – a-level players are the ancillary players. I, you should, if you're a good football team, you're not just thinking about creating in the draft this year. You have plans. You understand who's coming out in the draft three years from now. And you have an idea of, okay, look, obviously evaluation changed, but here's what we see in this guy, and here's where we think this can go. Um, but with Fields specifically, absolutely. You have to be all in on him, or what's the point? And I agree with you. After watching him this year, yeah, look, the numbers aren't overwhelming. They had nobody around that kid. Nobody. Couldn't block. Then no weapons. Um, he's got all the arm strength and moxie you could want. He's athletic as hell. Uh, I, I thought he, at times, was spectacular and just had no support. I think there's a lot to, to be excited about with him. For sure. I feel really good about Justin Fields. One of the names I, I'm intrigued with is Brian Dable. I know that name's been 
tossed around. He's been everywhere. He's had stops everywhere. He's had success recently, and he's been a part of Josh Allen and that offense growing, which to me is encouraging. And one of the things I think uh, led to Matt Nagy's failures here in Chicago, one, I think stubbornness, but it seemed like he really was like, I'm going to take Andy Reid's system that I learned in Kansas City. I'm going to bring it to Chicago, and we're going to have the same sort of success. And then he wasn't right. adaptable with Mitch Trubisky, and it was pretty apparent that even this year he wasn't all that adaptable when it came to play calling with, with Justin Fields. And I, it was so infuriating. It's like, look, listen, like we know what Mitch Trubisky is, was with the Bears, and, and he wouldn't adapt to it. I mean, it, it, it was just so infuriating watching that. And I think that a guy like Brian Dable, who's – you know, he had success in the college level at Alabama, right? He's been everywhere. I, I don't get the sense that he's going to be a guy that says, look, we did it this way in one of my stops. It's the only way we're going to do it in Chicago. I think that's one of the reasons I've talked myself into really liking Brian Brian Dable. I think Dable will be a great hire. And I'm on record both on my own podcast and, and writing it. I think Dable, of all the guys along with Flores, are the two guys I'd be most excited about. Now, I think the enemy could could and will be a really good head coach, but it doesn't seem like he's on a lot of teams' radar. He's actually interviewing at Denver today. As far as I know, it's the only interview he has. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but with Dable, there's evidence to that. When he went to Buffalo, Josh Allen was not good. Let's just be honest. I mean, he, he was a bottom 10 quarterback in the league, and Dable completely built that offense around him. Completely... Rebuilt it. Now, Allen deserves a ton of credit for, for making himself a much better player as well, of course. But Dable's shown the ability to change and to be adaptable. And I, I think if, if you're if you're any team, that's important. You know, and, and you mentioned earlier about Andy Reid and his system and whether or not that's um, you know something Matt Nagy just couldn't get away from. I'll say this though: someone who watches the Chiefs very closely, they completely revamped their offense when Patrick Mahomes became the quarterback. It was a completely different offense. They, they have certain tenants they believe in, but I think any coach, any good coach, Belichick is famous for this. You do whatever works with the current personnel that you have. And Maggie never adjusted. I think a, a good coach, you always find a way to look at your personnel any given season. It's okay. What puts us in the best position to win? And if you can't do that, you're not going to be successful. Yeah, I mean, the Patriots, I mean, that's a perfect example, right? All due respect to Mac Jones, he's nowhere near the skill set as some of the guys that were picked before him, especially Justin Fields, who's probably, in talk, in, you know, in terms of skill, probably probably the most talent in that draft class, maybe. Doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be the best, but, um, I mean, you know, the Patriots have Mac Jones and they go to the playoffs. Yeah, they got blown out, but my God, how many times are the Bears are never in the playoffs? You know what I mean? It's like, do what it takes to win and develop the guys. So I really like Brian Dable. What did you make of the Brian Flores Dolphins divorce that happened after two winning back-to-back winning seasons in Miami, which doesn't happen very often? And everyone, I, I know this is you know two weeks old at this point, but if we're going to talk about potential hires there, what, what do you what do you think happened, and what did you make of that sort of? I think everybody was like, hmm, okay, back-to-back winning seasons in Miami, and you get fired. That's why bad teams stay bad. That's why. I mean. That's an organization that hasn't won a playoff game in 20 years. And they have a quarterback who, in my estimation, is not very good. He's very limited, at least. I'm with you. Um, I mean, he, he just they can't do anything with him down the field. Anything. Every single thing with Tua has to be within eight yards of line of scrimmage. They have no offensive line. 
They spent the whole year flirting with Deshaun Watson. I mean, and, and then the owner comes out afterwards and basically says, oh, we don't want Deshaun Watson. Here. Okay, fine. Well, then you could have put a stop to this in October. I mean, where have you been? And, you know, you talk to people around the league, and there's this sense that Ross is kind of this absentee owner who, look, he's, you know, he's, he's around, but he's not really around. And I always find it curious when a guy gets fired and all of a sudden the wolves come out, all these leaks start happening immediately about how you know, he didn't really fit the culture here. What exactly is Miami's culture? Losing? Because <laughs> right. that's what they do all the time. That sounds like something like, what, that what is, uh, I mean, George McCaskey would say. <laughs> I mean, what, what is that? And then you get people who are reporters who I, sometimes I think really should, should think about what they put out. Like, I, I mean, I've been around Brian Flores only a handful of times. It's only in like a press conference day. I'm no, I've never been around him personally for more than you know, 30 seconds, maybe running into him somewhere. But um, he's an intense guy. He's a passionate guy. Guess what? So is everyone in the NFL who's ever been successful. Like, I, I'm i not saying, look, maybe there are some things behind closed doors that he needs to work on in terms of you know, communicating or whatever. That's fine. But I got to tell you, I think it's telling when after somebody gets fired, a lot of the players come out and are immediately like, what? What happened? We fired that guy? And then, you know, like an hour or two later, you know, these, these like vague reports about, well, you know, there was tension. I gotta tell you, based off the way they drafted the last handful of years, the tension was between him and Chris Greer. Chris Greer should have been a one of those. Because they've not drafted well. They've had a million picks, and they walked away with two instead of Herbert, Austin Jackson, who is a wreck of a left tackle. Like, I think in the end, Florence is gonna be a really good hire somewhere. It seems like he's a favorite to land the Giants job. Um, he or Dable, from what it sounds like, but I think I think wherever he ends up, that, that guy can coach. He's gonna be just fine. All right, before we move on to these playoff matchups, two other names that have been floated in the Bears, because we've talked to this, have talked with Leslie Frazier. Jim Caldwell is another name that's being tossed out there. Both of those hires, I think a lot of Bears fans would just kind of be like, meh, okay. I don't think it would generate that much excitement. Your thoughts on Frazier, Caldwell, and maybe any other names, whether GM or head coaching, we may have not gotten to. I think Caldwell's a good head coach. The problem is he's older, and I don't know... Like how many years of Jim Caldwell are you going to have? You know, that's, that's the question. I think it's a question that's got to be asked in the interview. Like, he's in his mid-60s already. So, is he going to coach like 75? Because, you know, I mean, the oldest coach in the league right now is Belichick. He's 70. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a fair question. And with Frazier, he's done a great job with the Bills as their D coordinator. He was not a good head coach at the Vikings. Now, to be fair to Leslie Frazier, they had no quarterback while he was there. They had nobody. I mean, you're talking about Tavares Jackson and Joe Webb. So, I, I understand that. You know, listen, he, he, I, I would, I think both of them come with, with pluses. Um, I think Leslie Frazier was obviously connections to Chicago, and he, and he's, I think, I think it's deserving of a second opportunity. And if Field is who you and I both think he's going to be, I think Frazier could be a really nice hire. Caldwell, I like. I think he's underrated. I mean, heck, he won in Detroit. That's going to be the Hall of Fame. But I, <laughs> I just, I wonder with his age if that's kind of a, a deterrent. Even though, hey, listen, I mean, maybe it's not fair to him that it is, but that's reality. It's part of the deal. Yeah, and it, you know, one other name, Matt Eberflus, defensive coordinator with the Colts, going to get a second interview with the Bears and Morocco Brown in the front office in the Colts. They're, they're looking hard at the Indianapolis Colts uh, coaches yeah. and front office. Y- your thoughts on, on, I guess, anybody coming out of Indy and Eberflus and uh, 
Morocco Brown. And why? And by the way, why do you think Ed Dodds withdrew his name? It's hard to say. It really is. You know, and it's hard to speculate on that because you know, Dodds, a guy who he's been talked about in league circles for a couple of years now, as someone who people think is going to be a GM one day and be a really good one. Um, I don't know Ed personally. I, I, I don't believe I've ever had a conversation with him. But you know, sometimes stuff like that. It could be maybe you don't feel like it's the right fit. Sometimes it could just be you know, and I don't I don't know. You know, if he has a wife and kids, but sometimes it can be that. It can just be a look. I want to move. Um, you know, maybe it's a situation where Indianapolis said, hey, do you want to raise? Um, I mean, stuff like that happens. I mean, it's just like any other job in the world. So it's hard to say. As far as Morocco Brown is a name that has been floated. I mean, he's somebody who another one who I think you know, people view the Indianapolis culture as very strong, um, which is, I think true. It is. It's ironic in the sense that they haven't won a ton, but I think people just believe that they do things the right way. They, they, they're very thorough, and so he, he's kind of an extension of that. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if he gets a job either this year or next year. Uh, with Everfuss, he's interesting. He's a guy who younger guy, D coordinator, um, and he plays a lot of cover two. I mean, that's the, it's his defense. A lot of cover two. A lot of zone. Um, I'd be interested to see if he comes to Chicago, if he, if he sticks with that, or if that's more driven by the personnel they have in Indy. But he's, I mean, he's been somebody who I think, you know, other than really Buckner and Leonard, that's not a defensive elite talent, and they're a very good unit every year. So uh, he's certainly proven that he knows how to coach. All right, let's get to these playoff matchups in the divisional round. We didn't really have great games in the wild card. I mean, the, the Niners-Cowboys yeah. game got got interesting, but that was it got interesting because the game was bad and Garoppolo threw a, an insane interception. Right. Um, I feel a lot of hype around the Bengals, and rightfully so. I mean, I love what Cincinnati's doing. They've got Burrow. Um, you know, Burrow... If, you know, he's like, this is this is going to be a regular thing for Cincinnati. This is the dream if you're a sports fan, right? He, you know, like what the Bengals, it looks like they're going to be competitive for a long time now because they have a franchise quarterback. At least we think they do. Um, let's start with that first game, Titans Bengals. I feel like I feel like the momentum is with the Bengals, and everybody's kind of riding that. And the Titans aren't exactly the most flashy team in the NFL, but they're really good. I like the Titans. They're favored about three, three and a half, depending on where you look. Uh, how do you think that one plays out in Nashville? I like the Titans too. Um, I think Cincinnati is the brighter future because of the quarterback, and I like Zach Taylor. I think he's a good head coach. Um, but look, the Titans have had this weird thing the last couple of weeks where nobody respects them. Like people just okay. act like there's some. Oh yeah, they're there. Like they're the one seed. <laughs> right. I, I bet you, if you took a poll of just general NFL fans, most wouldn't even be able to tell you the Titans are the top seed in the AFC. It's it's insane. Like it's just nobody acts like they're even like deserving of a playoff spot, <laughs> right. and yet they have had all these injuries all year long. They're twelve and five. They beat the Colts twice. They beat the Niners. They beat the Rams. They killed Kansas City. They beat Buffalo. Apparently, not good. I don't, I don't understand. I mean, look, I get it. They lost to Houston. They lost to Jets. Well, everybody lost Buffalo, and Buffalo lost to Jacksonville. So, I, I mean, I, I don't know that you can play that game. If you want to play that game, then everybody's got it. I mean, the, the Packers lost like 35 points to the, to the Saints. So, I, I don't I don't believe that. I think the Titans are very good. Um, look, I, I think no matter who wins the other. Yeah, I mean, he's back. We'll see how healthy he is, but he's back. Um, AJ Brown is you know back in, in full capacity after after missing some time late in the year. 
I just look, I think the Bengals are really good. And I think as long as they build correctly around Burrow, there's going to be a Super Bowl in that team's future at some point. That kid, that kid, you can never really define what it is, but he has it yeah. in spades. So, um, look, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bengals win. I, th- I think it's going to be a close game. I wouldn't be surprised if they lose and they cover. I, I think it'll be that close. But I-, I do believe that Tennessee's front four is really good. The Bengals' offensive line is probably the area that will address most this offseason. It has struggled. I think that leads to maybe getting a turnover. I think they can run the ball. The Bengals are pretty beat up up front defensively. Uh, I, I think it's a really tight game, but I like Tennessee to win. And then, let's be real, probably be the underdog in Vegas no matter who they play the following. Yeah. Uh, and then in Lambeau, uh, all eyes on Aaron Rodgers. They're playing the 49ers. It's been documented. Rodgers 0-3 against San Francisco in the playoffs. Packers are given five and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if Green Bay wins by double digits. Um, because I think they're that good, and I think Rodgers is dialed in, and all of that. But how do you? How, who are you liking in that one? How do you see that one playing out? I like the Packers. I think they will win. It's also the kind of game if they lose, I won't be the least bit surprised. That game, and, I, and this comes from someone who I have had them at the top of my power rankings all year. But at the end of the year, especially, they just cannot stop anybody from running the football. Anybody, and the Niners. If there's one thing about them. They will just line up and pound the ball at you. They don't care. They don't care what the down distance is. They've used Debo Samuel essentially like a, like a running back as well. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk is, is the best fullback in football, and he's, he's a real weapon. So they're going to be hard to deal with. Now, I was worried all week long about him injury-wise, but both of his clear concussion protocol. Warner's practiced in full all week. He appears to be fine. Garoppolo's not even on the injury report anymore. So... It looks like they're pretty healthy. You never know. Sometimes you know, teams will play a little fast and lose that stuff. Are they healthy with both? He has to be clear. So, um, look, the Niners sacked Rodgers five times. Or excuse me, they sacked Prescott five times last weekend. If they get pressure like that again, they have a shot to win the game. Now, ultimately, I just think the Packers will take advantage of San Francisco's secondary. The corners aren't good. I think Rodgers will pick them apart. Uh, Garoppolo's never played the game where the weather's below freezing. It should be eight degrees. I think that matters. Uh, and Garoppolo, as you mentioned, there, he's always good for some mind-numbing pick in the game. Like at some point, he's just going to whale a ball into coverage, and you have no idea what he was looking at. And if he does that in this game, and the Packers catch the ball, that's probably ball game. So I think they win by like a touchdown. I wouldn't be shocked if San Francisco beat them, but I think of all the games this week, and that's the one that I look the most. Yeah, I think that there's a reason that's the biggest line of the, of the weekend. Yeah, and then two real good matchups on Sunday: Bucks and Rams. Um, I, I could see this one going either way. You know, another like even on the flip of like people kind of overlooking the Titans, it's, it's kind of crazy to think, but like. Does everyone realize this type of season Tom Brady had at his age? He threw for fifty three hundred yards and forty three touchdowns, and it's like, oh yeah, like nobody, like he's doing, like this is insane what Tom Brady is doing. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to win MVP, but you could clearly make a good case for Tom Brady here. Um, yep. It, 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 Buccaneers are favored by about three points, two and a half, wherever you look, and uh, I, I could see this one going either way. I think it's going to be a great game. I agree. It's funny with Brady. Like, there are certain guys that are so great that it's just almost like, oh yeah, he had a great year. Oh, that's that's fine. Like nobody, nobody even acknowledges it. Like I, you know, I, I think 
Yeah, like Mahomes this year, I suppose. Like, if you reach, like, it's been terrible. The guy's over 4,800 yards and 37 touchdowns. And people just act like he was basically, you know, like the 20th best quarterback in the league. Um, but Brady, Brady, the guy's won seven Super Bowls, and nobody picks them to win again. So, like, oh, well, they can't. You know, they can't because they're missing, you know, because Levante David's banged up. So, Sheena plays quarterback? This is the classic game of, I look at this, and I the Rams have all the massive advantages in this game. Ramsey should be able to, to at least slow down, if not shut down Evans. They don't have any other receivers who scare you um, with all the injuries that they have and Brown getting released. Offensively up front, they're all beat up. Worse and Jensen, whether they play or not, who knows, they're not going to be 100%. You're going against you know, Miller and Floyd on the edge. You're going against Donald inside. Uh, the, the Bucks, uh, they, you know, Fournette, does he play? If he does play, can he really play You know, to capacity? Um, I mean, there's a million matchups. Who's going to guard Cooper Cup? Who's going to guard Beckham? But I just look at this game, and maybe it's just bad analysis. I just cannot see Stafford beating Brady on the road in a playoff game. I just can't. Like, I, I just feel like in this game, Todd Bowles, the Bucks coordinator, is going to say, I don't care. We're blitzing you relentlessly. And if you make one big mistake, that's all we're going to need to win. And I get to see Brady just checking it down, throwing a grunt, throwing it the back, finding Scotty Miller for 12 yards. And you look up and you're like, oh, 27 to 23, Bucks win. You got, I'm taking the Bucks, even though I think the matchups in a lot of ways favor the Rams. I, I just I cannot bring myself to pick Stafford over Brady in the playoff game. And by the way, both of the Bucks coordinators uh, talked with the Bears and Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich too. Two names to keep an eye on for the Bears coaching search. And then the last game of the weekend, I feel like some are almost treating this like it's the Super Bowl, like the winner's going to go on and win it all. I think it's going to be a really good game. I still – Josh Allen, just hearing him talk, I'm like, this dude is on a mission. He just He's like, we have to beat the Chiefs. It's their time. I still think the Chiefs win because Mahomes is that good, and I'm rolling with KC. I think it can be a really classic playoff game with some incredible plays by both of the quarterbacks. You follow the Chiefs closely. Who do you like in this one, Matt? I do. I mean, I cover all the in full disclosure. I grew up a Chiefs fan, actually in New York. So emotionally, I'll always be, I guess, somewhat tied to them in a way. And I, you know what? Um, it's weird. Watching them very closely over the years at Mahomes, when they have games like last week where everybody just thought they would crush Pittsburgh, like I thought they'd win the game, but I fully expected them to come out and do exactly what they did early, which is to screw around, turn the ball over, and and then it took T.J. Watt scoring for them to go, okay, like we probably should focus now and then score 35 points in 11 minutes. Like that's just <laughs> that's who they are. They have been at their best under Reed and with Mahomes when they're in these games where people tend to think, like, oh, well, I don't know, they're overmatched. It's like that's the only time they lock in and pay attention. And so the Bills, who wiped the floor with them in week five, they will have the Chiefs' full attention in this game. Look, ultimately, though, from a from a football, from just an X's and O's standpoint, I think the Bills are really talented. I think they're really good. And I would not be surprised if they went down and won this game. I wouldn't be surprised in the least. I think the Bills are the, are the team that has the best shot to knock Kansas City off. Um, that, at least in the AFC. Maybe you want to make an argument for the Packers. That being said, I don't know that there's any position group other than safety where I look at with Buffalo and I say they're more talented than Kansas City. Maybe a depth at receiver, maybe to make that argument, but it's the Chiefs are just a, a little bit more talented in a lot of spots. And I think the one spot where they have a big advantage is up front. 
they have a very good offensive line. And, and after getting Melvin Ingram, their pass rush has really taken off. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to win the game. I think they're going to win it by about a touchdown, you know, 30 to 24, something like that. Like the, the one thing with Allen this year, he's been a little inconsistent and he struggles against the blitz. And if there's one thing about Steve Spagnuolo, the Chiefs will blitz. If the Chiefs could blitz 12 guys, they would do it. I mean, that's just their mentality. They're not afraid to go after you, to, to put their corners one-on-one, play physical. Um, I think that's what they'll do. I think they're going to relentlessly go after him in this game and just say, hey, look, we'll live with it if he beats us once or twice down the field. We're not afraid of that. Um, I think it's a great game. I think it's the best game of the weekend. Bill can certainly win, but I'll take the Chiefs with Mahomes at home to advance. After all those duds last weekend, we deserve four great games, Matt. I, I, I think all of these have the potential to be really, really good games. Maybe in Lambeau, I'm kind of sensing, and maybe it's just because it's the Packers, and I could see that one getting a little bit away from the from the 49ers. But other than that, I, I think we've got four. Um, I think we've got Sunday. I think we've got two really great games. Let's hope all four stay tight yep. and we have some fun this weekend. Matt, really, really great stuff. Uh, great insight on the Bears search and uh, on the divisional round. I appreciate it. Thanks for jumping on. Hey, no problem. Anytime. All right, that was episode 29. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Brian Altimer and Ernie Scatton for their help producing the podcast. Thanks again to Matt for jumping on as well. I got a feeling uh, we could get a Bears, some Bears news early uh, in the week. New general manager, new head coach. I, I get the sense that's coming soon. Maybe as soon as Monday. So once the breaking news does happen, I'll have another podcast up. Thank you again for listening. I'm Kevin Powell. This is the WGN Radio Football Podcast.